Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen up, mucker feathers. If you just can't get enough of 83 weeks, we've got tons more waiting for you over at adfreeshows.com. Bonus episodes, all the archives with zero, yes, I said zero ads. Plus, we've got interactive events and experiences with yours truly. You can ask me anything. Chat one-on-one during our live locked and loaded events. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, we got to hang out the entire freaking weekend, and it was a blast. Hey, you want to hear me rip Greg Gagne, Vince Russo, and others a new one? On our popular Eric Fires Back series, I eviscerate Twitter trolls on me tweet receipts, plus bonus watch-alongs and tons more. Do yourself a favor right now. Google the internet, and you won't find a better value in all of wrestling than over at adfreeshows.com. You not only get 83 weeks, but all of Conrad Thompson's podcasts early and ad-free and on video for as low as $9 a month. Come on, man. You can't beat it. Join the family today at adfreeshows.com. Hey, man, how'd you like like a $20,000 raise? We can help you do that at SaveWithConrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Check out our reviews at ConradReviews.com. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. We've won the number one Best in Business Award many, many times, and we just got a great five-star review. That's uh, from Jimmy E. He says, my wife and I just closed on our refinance after working with Diane and Steven. What a great experience. We closed within a month and added about $1,000 of monthly cash flow. Thank you. They were great. And who would have thought a trip to first family mortgage and ad free shows booth at Starcast five in Nashville would have led to this LOL. Thank you. No, thank you, Jimmy, for believing in us. I know it's crazy. You're listening to a wrestling podcast and you're going to save a thousand dollars a month. Now think about that. Add that up over the course of a year. That's over $12,000 a year. You're going to save now. How much money pre-tax would you have to earn to net $12,000? That's about 20 grand, right? And think about that. You would have had to work for that money, pay taxes on it, and then just give it away. Come on, man. Keep more of your own money. If you can hear my voice 
and you're in a 30 year loan, you've got a second mortgage, you've got credit card debt, you've got a car payment. What are you doing? I can show you how to keep more of your own money, get a lower monthly payment and get out of debt faster. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners save up to a thousand bucks a month. Just like Jimmy, find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Oh, and how's this for starters? No house payments for two months. That's right. A little fall break from house payments. Sounds good to me. Find out how much money you can save at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. One more time, savewithconrad.com. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Woo Wings, legendary flavors, world championship wings. Woo! Woo Wings. Yeah! Woo Woo! It's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I am doing well. I am into day 10 of my solo existence here in Wyoming while Mrs. B is visiting our kids and our grandson in Florida. So it's just me and Nick doing me and Nick shit, just having a great time. Smoked a chicken last night on the rec deck for dinner. That was pretty awesome. Simple. That's awesome. So you smoked the chicken for one, huh? How about you? Look at you. I know. And I ate almost the whole thing. I'm proud of whole you. chicken. No, um, I didn't eat the whole thing, but I came pretty close. It was a good uh, chicken. You know, I, uh, I've got my favorite fried chicken spot here in Huntsville. I've taken you to before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I took Jeff Jarrett once and, uh, Jeff said, I'll have two breasts, two legs, two thighs, two wings and the lady who was writing it down goes, damn, baby, you just want the whole chicken. Yes, ma'am. I do. <laughs> Turns out Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff ate the whole chicken. I love, you know, and good chicken chicken is underrated. Although I will tell you when I went into the store the other day to buy my whole chicken, actually bought two of them. They're 20 bucks a pop for a chicken. I thought that was kind of crazy. A $20 chicken. I don't know. That seems like a deal to me. Cause you oh, know, Cassio spent, I don't know, about eight grand to eat a hundred fresh eggs a year with his chicken farm that he's done. We're too deep in our chicken talk, Eric. We're here to talk about <laughs> WWE in 2005, but before we get there, 
Boy, there's been a lot of news going around. It feels like uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Lots of folks excited about what's going on in WWE. Tons of momentum over there on that side of the, the channel. We've got all the white rabbit whispers, and now there's uh, the rumor. I guess it's maybe not a rumor. WWE has hired the guy who maybe had that idea, and he's going to be reporting to Bruce, Mr. Fees, and that's all, of course, been in the headlines. And I think he listens to our show. Could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure he does. And uh, the other channel has, well, some controversy. Had a big special this past Friday night, but on the way there, well, everything didn't go according to plan, and there was more backstage upheaval. And uh, this is on the the heels of All Out, where of course there's still some folks serving some suspensions from that, and a lot of people are saying, "Boy, this is uh, this is starting to feel very WCW like." And certainly there were WCW political moments and backstage un- uneasiness and unrest, and this guy fought that guy and. Do you draw any parallels to what's happening in modern AEW with what happened in WCW at all? I mean, in some ways, of of course, you know, you've got talent who can be emotional at times and that's across the board. You know, I've never, you know, some of the biggest names in this, in the industry have been difficult to work with from time to time. And there's always been politics, especially at the top. There's always been politics because there's a lot of money involved. You know, there's, there's livelihoods involved. There's a lot at stake. Um, so th- sometimes the emotions can be heightened to the point where they become problematic. So, and I'm that's happened in WWE. We saw Stone Cold Steve Austin walk out yeah. over creative differences It certainly happened in WCW. I had my own issues with that. We covered some of it, you know, last week when we talked about Raven and me offering him his limited release because he just wasn't happy and he was mouthing off and that was just not going to work for me. So sure. There are parallels in that regard, but I think what's a little bit different is number one, the amount of physicality that we're seeing here, not to say that there wasn't, you know, physical confrontations in WCW, where I think there was three of them over the course of 30 years in WWE. Yeah. Shit happens. It's, it's, it's real life sometimes. Um, but I think, you know, so much physical confrontation during such a short period of time yeah, is a little bit different, right? There's no parallel there. There's no precedent there. So that's, that's where I would probably draw the line is I, I think things have become a little bit more tense in AW in a very short period of time. And I think the level of physicality and the issues involved and the impact that it's had, you know, stripping CM Punk of the world title. Um, well, now putting, he was, in fairness, I think that was going to happen either way because he tore his pack or myself or whatever his injury is. He's on the shelf. He's going to be out for months for, or for some sort of surgery. So that, that stripping was probably going to happen either way. It, it, yes, because of the injury, but yeah. I think to exacerbate it, now punk's completely out of the picture or yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he will be, you know, you got the young bucks, you know, sitting on the sidelines, Kenny Omega sitting on the sidelines, you know, that's a pretty significant impact. That just wasn't an altercation. It happened backstage. Two guys got into it, got through it, shook hands. 
put it behind him and moved on. That's not what we're seeing here. And I think probably the legal implications have a lot to do with that because it's a very, I would imagine complex legal situation that AEW is facing as a result of that. The stakes are very high. How much are they going to pay CM Punk to walk away? You know, it's, 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 it's a lot of, it's a lot of chaos in a short period of time. That's for sure. That, and, and that never happened in WCW. It never raised the level of chaos to that extent that it has in W or in AEW. You know, listen, if, if, I know that you and he aren't necessarily best of friends these days, uh, you and Mr. Khan, but hypothetically, is there, I mean, as the old, as the old timer on the outside, looking in the guy who's been there, done that when you see some of these, we'll call it personnel issues behind the scenes, HR issues behind the scenes, however you want to categorize it. Do you have any advice for Tony? I mean, unsolicited advice. It's not like he's calling saying, oh, Eric, help bail me out. I'm not saying that, but unsolicited advice from easy E on the current problems as we read, because you know, neither you or I are there. We don't know, but based on what we read, what would the, the, the old wise man say? I, I, I don't really have any advice, you know, number one, because I don't know what's really going on backstage. I don't really know the dynamics. I don't understand the politics. I know very few of the talent. Um, so without knowing what's really going on and what the problems really are, you know, advice is just an opinion and everybody's got one, including me. Um, so I'd rather not even take a stab at it. You know, I, I, I think the mistake Tony has made, and I think maybe he's gone. I don't know what Tony's made of. I don't know what kind of person he is, but Tony has really dug himself in as the end all be all. And he's the CEO. He's the head of creative. He's whatever, you know, whatever six titles he has. The end all be all of AEW. You mean, he, I, I don't think he's delegated. Well, okay. I think it would have served Tony much better very early on to set the stage and to create the culture, which is, I think, necessary. Um, Tony would have been smart to really surround himself and not just surround himself for the sake of having, you know, insulation around him from the talent and the issues that arise that, and it's normal. Those, those creative issues are always going to be there when you're dealing with creative people and especially strong willed, aggressive, a type personalities, which a lot of professional wrestlers are. And I think if Tony would have not only surrounded himself, but delegated and trusted some of the more senior people around him early on, I think he would have quite possibly avoided a lot of this drama because it is culture related. And the impression I get, like, you know, many of us, many of you who read about this stuff is that it's just kind of a frat house backstage. Mm. And it went from, you know, and it's unfortunate because it went, you know, you heard so many glowing things. Oh, everybody was in love with AEW, the backstage area. Oh, there's no politics. Oh, we all get along. It's such everybody's, you know, collaborating. That was like the narrative, you know, early on. Right. And I was excited to hear that. And I experienced it by the way, the, the, I think two times that I was backstage in, in AEW, it was a very kind of tight, collegiate like environment. And I did see a lot of people collaborating and supporting each other. 
And now that seems to be quite different, at least from what we read. And maybe some of that still exists. Maybe a lot of it still exists. We don't know. I don't know. I haven't been here in a while. But, man, I, I think Tony would have been much better served to not try to be everything in the end-all, be-all to AEW and the chief cook and bottle washer and head of creative and everything else and really delegate and create a culture from the beginning that he would be able to maintain. Because now that the, look, the new car smell is worn off for everybody. It's worn off for the audience. Ticket sales are down. Ratings are flat. I mean, things are not moving in the right direction for AEW. And maybe they're incrementally, you know, these are incremental kind of losses over time. But I think the reality is, you know, when AEW came on the scene, there was so much goodwill, man. Yeah. Every every wrestling fan, including people that were really, really into WWE, really wanted to see a legitimate alternative. Yeah. And I think that's why there was so much talk of the Monday Night Wars and the initial comparisons between what Tony's doing with AEW and it's just like WCW going head to head with WWE. No, it's not. It never was. But the, the, the anticipation was there. The desire amongst the audience was there. There was so much goodwill. And part of that is because it's, you know, it's a new car and it has yeah. that new car smell. And everybody was excited to go for a ride in the car and see what that car was going to be like. Well, now they know. And the new car smell is worn off. And that probably extends a little bit to the attitudes and the personalities backstage, because I've said this before. I don't think people that, unless you've been in this position, you can't really relate to it. But, you know, a lot of these talents that were coming in, they were getting paid huge money, more money than they made previously. And that's a fantastic thing. And when you first come into an environment like that, you're getting that big check every week in the mail or every two weeks in the mail. Life is good until you get used to the money. And once you get used to the money and it no longer feels like that big a deal because, you know, it shows up in the mail every two weeks and by God, I deserve it. Right. Once you get to that level of feeling like, by God, I deserve it, um, your attitude can change. Yeah. I've seen it a million times. And people that, you know, started out having just an amazing attitude and willing to work with anybody and collaborate and all that. And six months or a year or so after getting that check in the mail every two weeks, they forget. Yeah. And, and that's when sometimes the warts begin to, to show. I look, I empathize with Tony. I, I feel for him. I know kind of what he's going through and it's ugly. It's just, it takes the fun out of it. And here's the biggest risk. I think once it quits being fun. Oh man. And if, if, if Tony gets to that point where it's just, and again, I've been there. I know it. I know that feeling. Once it, once the creative business you're in quits being fun. Oh man. It, it gets ugly fast. And I hope that's not what we're seeing here. I, I, truly do. I know I give AEW a hard time because they deserve it. Tony in particular says so much stupid shit. It's hard not to call him out on it. Like wanting to win the Dave Meltzer dirt sheet booker of the year award three years in a row. Are you fucking kidding me? That kind of stuff makes it hard. Not only for people like me who have been in the industry, but even fans start to go, what? <laughs> Meantime, my locker room's beating the shit out of each other. I got to fire people every week. One of those that I'm not firing, I'm suspending. <sighs> I don't know. Dirt sheet booker of the year. Is that, is that something that I'd be talking about? I don't think so.
Well, listen, I, I like you wish you wouldn't have said that, but I think he came from a place of just being nice. <laughs> you know, he wants to acknowledge his friend, his friends and, 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 and the importance of the observer and, you know, give it some value. And I appreciate that, but yeah, maybe we wish we had that one back. Um, you're going to, you're going to put over your friend, Dave Meltzer and his dirt sheet. And you feel like you want to give that some support at the expense of your own business and your credibility. Well, I, I don't, I don't I think, don't I don't think that was the intention. No, uh, it's not the intention, but it's a result. There's a lot of things that, you know, end up happening that nobody intended, but still bad. It's still a poor reflection. Well, here's the thing. I love that Tony Khan is quote unquote, one of us, not you, Eric, but us listening to this podcast. I mean, he, he is a big wrestling fan and I appreciate that. And I like that. He's willing to share that with us and all that, but yeah, the optics of that, maybe not. Yeah, let's go back to the HR thing. A lot of people say, Hey man, this really comes down to an HR problem. You got Jr. sitting around in the back. He used to run talent relations at the highest possible level of the, in the history of the professional wrestling industry. And I'm not saying Jr. boy, he probably doesn't want to tackle this. I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it, but I can't imagine he would at yeah. this stage of his life. But Point being, that's really what we need though. Right. There there's gotta be some sort of change structurally, like just in terms of the way talent relations is handled. Like, I don't know what that looks like, but it feels as if more and more often than not, the problems that we're talking about come down to sort of a talent relations issue, right? It's, it's talent relations and culture. Yeah. It's culture and it's HR thing, but here's the deal. Tony could hire Jim Ross could rewind the clock 25 years, come back, you know, next Monday and say, okay, Tony, this is what I want to do. I really want to contribute. I want to help. I don't think that would happen, by the way. I think the chances of that happening are nil and none, but let's just play, play along and assume that Jim really wants to do this. It wouldn't matter because if you've got a guy like, Unless it, it wouldn't matter unless Tony Khan really committed to delegating that part of his business. And when shit hits the fan, because it will, you've got to back your, whoever it is that's in that position. You may not like it. You may not like the outcome of it. You may not even agree with it, but if you don't support the person that you've delegated that responsibility to when shit hits the fan, it's over. That person will, whoever that is, whether it would be Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone, apparently is kind of taking that role. Um, whoever it is, if you put that person in that role and when the shit hits a fan, if you, as the CEO, don't back that decision, no matter what, you've just neutered whoever it is that's yeah. in that role and it becomes useless because immediately talent, look, talent, talent is like water it finds the path of least resistance, right? And if you've got somebody that's strong, that knows what they're doing, that has experience and has respect in that talent relations position, and the respect part is a really, really big part of it. It's actually more than almost as much more than experience. But if you put that person in, in, in that position and then the talent realizes because the, the Tony Khan, the CEO, the Vince McMahon, the Eric Bischoff, whoever you put in that role that you want to put in that role. Once the talent realizes that they could just kind of go around that person because of their unique relationship and friendship with the guy in charge, you're right back to where you started from. Actually, you're worse. Yeah. Because then everybody around, then all the talent can see that they understand that. The talent's really good, man. Path of least resistance. 
And and water's a powerful thing. <laughs> it can Earl, wear you down. My my old friend Jim Valley. Uh, do you know Jim? Have you met Jim over the years? I I, I may have. I, I suck with names. You know that. Fantastic guy. He does a little bit of uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, but he occasionally does a, an, an audio show on the weekends over for the Wrestling Observer. Uh, but man, I, I met him years ago through the uh, Charlotte Fan Fest that Greg Price put on. And that's actually where I was reintroduced to Tony Schiavone. And the reason we have Tony Schiavone's what happened when podcast, and he's back in AEW now and all that jazz. Anyway, Jim Valley had a tweet that came out on the sixth and he says, is Tony Khan the greatest boss in the world? I don't know. I don't feel sorry for talent, making a lot of money wrestling on national TV, working fewer dates and having more creative freedom. You're not high enough on the card. Welcome to the club. That's called life. Deal with it. And he promised to expand on it on his show uh, over the weekend on uh, Wrestling Observer Live. But I'm curious from your perspective, because that is sort of an old school approach. Uh, I've, I've heard guys like like Jim Ross say something similar. I've heard Jeff Jarrett say something similar. To keep the perspective of you do have more creative freedom. You are working fewer dates. You are featured, maybe not as often as you'd like, but on a national television program and you're making a bunch of money. So you're checking a lot of the boxes, but maybe we're not as creatively fulfilled. I wondered how you would respond to a tweet like Jim Valley's. I don't feel sorry for talent, making a lot of money, wrestling on national TV, working fewer dates and having creative freedom. You're not high enough on the card. Welcome to the club. That's called life. Deal with it. What Eric Bischoff say to that? I think the, you know, that's life. Deal with it is a little bit stiff. I, I agree with 99%, 99.9% of what he said, the essence of, of his message. I agree with hundred percent. The, the uh, you know, I would probably finish that, that quote off a little bit differently. You know, I would probably, instead of saying, deal with it, I would say, be grateful for it. Yeah. Wait for your opportunity. Be, be ready for your opportunity because look, I mean, let's face it, it, you know, injuries are a thing, right? Contract issues are a thing. HR issues are a thing. And just because you're at, you know, let's call it the bottom of the card or you're not getting as much television time as you, or you think you deserve or whatever. Um, keep your nose to the grindstone, keep improving, improving yourself, keep coming up with better ideas, different ideas, stay engaged, keep a positive attitude, be grateful because your time will come. Yeah. If you put in the time you put in the work and you don't let your attitude crater you, um, your time will come. And not everybody can be at the top of the card or getting all the TV time that they deserve. Not everybody's going to get that. There's only so much TV time available. There's only so much real estate. You can only put so many houses on a certain size piece of property. Yeah. And right now they've got a two hour show that limits what you can do. Doesn't mean because you're not on it on a regular basis that you never will be. So yeah, if you're getting paid and you're healthy and you get to spend time with your family and you have more time to work out, you have more time to improve yourself. Maybe you have some time, God forbid, to take some classes, take some improv classes, learn how to be better as a character on television while you have the time available to you because you're getting paid good money and you're not on the road 300 days a year but you do have time to improve yourself as a talent. 
and just focus on that and not focus on what the internet says or what social media says about your lack of TV time. Cause I think unfortunately a lot of people are, it influences them. It's like death by a thousand cuts. You're, you're, you're a young talent and you're, you got your fan base on social media, which basically tells you what you want to hear. I, I know that. I know that so many of the people that follow me on social media make comments and make statements that they think I want to hear. Yes. Um, and I get that, but you have to be able to discern that you have to be able to recognize that and focus on yourself. So I, 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 I don't have sympathy for talent who is frustrated. First of all, you made the decision. You made the choice to go work there and because things aren't going exactly the way you want them to go exactly when you want them to go there, I don't think gives you the right certainly is not a good look to, to make as much noise and, and be as negative of an influence as some people are. It's man, just be grateful. God almighty, be grateful. How many people, how many people in the world well, forget about the world. How many people in this country would do anything to change places with you? Yeah. And guess what? They wouldn't be bitching about how much TV time they're not getting. <laughs> so come on, man. Just, I don't know. Be grateful. That's all. Be grateful is a, uh, an excellent message for today. And we're grateful that you guys are tuned in because it's fresh ball fall. Are you familiar with this? It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by manscaped a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing that's uh, shedding its excess <laughs> leaves. Hey, even mother nature knows it's time to lose some excess clutter for fall. That's why you should join 6 million men worldwide who now trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code 83 weeks. So they've got this brand new platinum package 4.0, Eric, even if you're already aligned with them, you need to hear about this new package. First of all, they've got the lawnmower 4.0. It's the latest and greatest but it also comes with the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. That thing is a game changer. I use it all the time. It is a regular part of my routine. It's got the proprietary advanced skin safe technology, just like the lawnmower 4.0 does. It's going to mean there's no tugging. It's going to be very delicate with your parts and your holes. It's also waterproof. So you can do it in or out of the shower. Speaking of the shower, they got two in one shampoo and conditioner and body wash. I love the two in one shampoo and conditioner. They've even just introduced, and it's in this new perfect package 4.0, the ultra premium deodorant. It's aluminum free y'all. And no, it doesn't smell like pumpkin spice. It's uh, it's cologne quality. All right. Now, when you get Eric's age, you're going to need a little crop reviver. Keep those boys out of the toilet bowl. Cause they're going to get that sag going and the crop <laughs> preserver. Well, that's the ball deodorant. Tony Schiavone tested Tony Schiavone approved, you know, nitro Tony had real stinky balls. Dynamite Tony, not the case. He's got the crop preserver now. And they even put two free gifts inside of this platinum package 4.0. By the way, everything I've listed so far, all included, including a new pair of boxers and the shed travel bag. Now, if you're a single man and you've got the manscaped boxers on and you have that where it's a little visible at the bar towards the end of the night, they're going to know what they're signing up for. You know what I'm talking about. Get the platinum package this fall. These products are guaranteed to be hits for your dangly bits. Go right now to manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code 83 weeks. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. 
Just use that promo code 83 weeks manscaped clear out the leaves. It's your tree trunks time to shine. Looking for a great mother's day or father's day gift idea. I was, and I found it at paint your life with paint your life. You'll get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say paint your life transforms your photos into a one of a kind, beautiful hand painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. And we're talking today, of course, about Eric's 2005. But before we get into it, I do want to ask about the feedback you got on the Raven episode. Boy, I saw good and bad all over the place. I saw some folks saying this was fantastic and one of the best episodes in a long time. I saw other people saying, why even bother? It's clear Eric hates Raven. And I know that's not the case. What feedback did you see about our Raven episode? Um, I, I, I guess I saw primarily positive yeah. comments. I, I didn't see a lot of the, the negative comments, not that they didn't come in or not that they didn't end up on my feet. I just, I just didn't notice them. Um, God, I, I thought, I thought I was pretty fair and I, I, I don't think I said anything that would lead people to believe that. I have an issue with Scotty Levy, the person. In fact, I made a pretty big effort to point out that I didn't. Yes. And distinguishing between someone, between, between the person and the character. Um, so whatever. But here's the deal. I mean, you threw it out there. You said, man, I'd love to get you guys together. Yeah. Just some offhanded comment you made. And, and I said, sure, I'll do that. And about 24 hours later, I get an email and Scotty Levy and I Raven are going to be going head to head brother on ad free shows this Wednesday. And it'll be the first time we've really spoken to each other. And I don't know, me three, four years, whatever it's been. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know where Scotty Levy's head is at. They just want to get on and motherfuck me. I don't know. Wait, Uh, can you imagine the piece had 25 years to just verbally eviscerate you. And you're just going to wander in there like a lamb to slaughter. Somebody's going to take that route. Do I, have I ever looked like a lamb being led to a slaughter in that kind of a situation? No, I mean, I don't anticipate it. I really don't. I don't get myself all worked up because at that point I'll be defensive. I'll already start gearing up for a battle and you know what that's like the first yeah. couple of times we did podcasts yeah. i was geared up for a fight but oh yeah. my god it's like you throw something out there and i'm coming back with a you know a right cross like fuck dude all we wanted to do was tap you so i don't know i i don't anticipate that i really don't i think we're gonna probably have a great conversation if it goes the other way that's cool too i'm i'm no lamb i've never been slaughtered in an environment like that so we'll see what happens can't wait. It's this Wednesday, Eric versus Raven at free <laughs> Go 
go check it out. It's going to be live. Uh, it's going to happen. There's going to be a studio audience when this ass whooping goes down. Uh, join us at freeshows.com. So let's talk about how 2005 gets kicked off. I kind of remember this year. This is maybe the last year I was really watching wrestling in a big way for a long time. Uh, and we get 2005 started with uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico pay-per-view. It's still the only time that I think the company held a pay-per-view over there. It's New Year's Revolution. It's going to be the third ever Elimination Chamber match at the show. Triple H is going to pin Randy to win the match, allowing Orton to pin Triple H's fellow Evolution member Batista moments earlier, which sets up a tease for Triple H and Batista at WrestleMania 21. Uh, that's obviously going to set all kinds of records. But before we get there, I want to know about the travel. You ever have any fun down in Puerto Rico? Was this, would this have been one of those times or is it possible to have fun when you're down there with WWE? You know, the only, I, I, I mean, I know I did it. I was there. I've, I've seen the footage, <laughs> but I, I barely remember even anything about that trip other than as was pretty typical got into whatever city it was. I'm assuming it was San Juan. Um, whatever, wherever we landed, it was late already. Um, it was pouring down rain. So it wasn't like I was going to get to my hotel. Cause I typically, I'd like to get to the hotel if it's early enough and just go walk around, just see shit. And, uh, it was raining and just went right to my hotel room, went to bed, got up in the morning, went to the arena, did the show and went home. So. Like a lot of places I've been, you know, as people say, oh man, you've been all over the world and it's true. And I've seen the airport, I've seen the hotel, I've seen the arena <laughs> and then a lot of it, I don't get to see. And that was the case in Puerto Rico. Royal rumble is uh, going to happen in Fresno, California, Batista wins, but boy, it didn't go smoothly. Uh, this is where they had the snafu where both Cena and Batista fall out of the ring at the exact same time. Vince McMahon is frustrated, wants to storm down to the ring and fix this in person, real life situation, accidentally tears both of his quads and you're there for the show, but I don't think anybody knew what was really going on with Vince until afterwards. Are you in the building when he comes back through the curtain or are you already? Yeah, I was, I was standing. I wasn't in gorilla, um, because had I been in gorilla, perhaps Vince would have sent me out there with some direction on how to fix it. That would have made sense as the general manager at the time, but I wasn't within earshot of gorilla. I was literally just outside of the curtain going into gorilla when the incident went down. And once I realized what was happening, um, I stayed right there and I, I watched them, you know, wheeling Vince out and he was not a happy camper. He didn't, and I got the impression he didn't really didn't want anybody to see him. I think it was just, he was angry slashed embarrassed, is the impression that I got. Yeah, I mean the, the word we hear as fans is he didn't even want to sell having a torn quad. Like no one can see me hurt. I'm fine. I'll walk it off. Just very bullheaded. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, I think that's putting it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, I mean, he was angry. He was angry and he was embarrassed and you could feel it from 50 feet away. How do the people around him react when that happens? 
this is Vince. Like we've never really seen him before. And he doesn't want you to see him and it's can't, it can't be pleasant. No, you know, I, I, I only know how I was feeling, so I, I can't speak for everybody else, but my impression was most people felt a lot like I did is we knew that Vince didn't want us to see him like that. I yeah. mean, you almost had to turn away. You, you kind of want to see what the, what's going on, but it's like, no, give, <laughs> give the man some respect here. He doesn't want to see us with his pants down around his ankles, you know? And well, that's probably not true with Vince because he never mind. That kiss my ass club thing, pretty famous, but, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was something that he was very, very angry and probably in his own way, embarrassed about, uh, what a moment. Um, I'm sure it was just absolute chaos, but unbelievably you're going to Japan a week later, you're going to tape raw and SmackDown over at the super arena to have you open raw in the ring. You're going to run down the card with a a Japanese translator standing right there with you doing the translation after every few sentences, you know, listen, I understand that we've talked about some pretty surreal things that you've done in your life on this program, but to just think about that was this kid in Minnesota who watched the crusher on TV Mm. fast forward. Now he's in the middle of a sold out arena in Japan, giving instructions in English that are being translated in real time with a Japanese. This is a surreal moment in your life. Is it not like, how did I get here? Yeah. My whole, my whole career. I, I had, I had those thoughts and those moments, yeah. you know, from the get go, um, from the first day that Vern Ganya hired me, it's like, this is crazy. Um, and certainly that. You know, being in Tokyo and being at a sold out show for WWE and having a Japanese translator and it's all live. It's like pretty badass. I, I honestly, I probably didn't appreciate it as much in the moment as I do now. Yeah. Looking back on it. Um, I think that's the case, at least with me, with a lot of things, you know, like, wow, I can't believe I did that. I didn't really appreciate it as much while I was doing it as I do now. And that's one of those examples. Now, truth be told, I've been in that, I had been in that situation before, even with WCW, when we would do joint shows in Japan, a couple of times, New Japan would have me come in and help set things up. And I had a translator there. So that part of it wasn't new to me, but certainly being there in WWE, that was, and it was, it was a cool moment. So the February, uh, 21st raw is from state college, Pennsylvania. And this is where Batista has to pick between raw or SmackDown. He's won the world title shot at Royal rumble, but now he's got to decide, Hey man, which belt are you going after? And of course the idea here is JBL's the champ over on SmackDown, but Batista's a part of evolution, which is led by triple H who's got the raw belt. This was really a, a well-done story. And I think of the era, probably the, the most well-done story, at least of Oh five. Uh, and, and I don't know, I, I don't know why this one hit for me, but it did. It made Batista a, a, a superstar even bigger than he was. It's going to set all kinds of WrestleMania records. What did you think about the execution of the Batista triple H title shot evolution falling apart storyline? I liked it. I liked it a lot because it was logical and it progressed in a logical fashion. It escalated 
in a logical fashion. And when I say logical, I mean, creatively logical, uh, every week it got a little bit more interesting and, and, and I, I love that. And it also, I think was the best example of brand warfare. Yeah. It, it, it actually became a little believable at that point because of triple H and because of Batista and, and their performances, they made you believe they each cared. Um, and, and as a result, it made the brand split feel real. And I struggled with the brand split feeling real for a long time. It was forced. Yes. It, it, it was hard to relate to for the audience. I understood why they were doing it. Trust me. I understood why they were doing it, but it wasn't resonating the way it could have or should have until this time. And this made it feel real to me. Let's talk about the moment when it really happens. You know, there's that famous shot of Batista being in the ring and he's got the contracts. He's going to make a decision and triple H and Ric Flair feel like they've been manipulated him well enough for him to pick SmackDown and not mess with their world title, the, the WWE raw title. And so they're doing the old thumbs up to him. Like, here we go. It's a little corny, but then here comes Batista with the big thumbs down and the pop is crazy. You're in the ring for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, that had to feel like, I'm not going to say it felt like the Monday night wars, because obviously that was your creative brainchild and you're in the ring when all that happens, but that energy that comes in, it had to be reminiscent in that moment, right? Like, wow, what a response. I, I didn't flash back to, boy, this reminds me of, you know, yeah. NWO. Anyway, I didn't flash back to that, but I've said this a million times and I'll, I'll probably say it a million more times before I'm all done doing podcasts. Um, th- there's this, that energy when you're standing in that, you know, 20 by 20 ring or whatever it is. Right. And you're surrounded by whatever it is, 10, 15, 20,000 people, but they're really, I mean, they're close enough to hit you with a fistful of popcorn you know you're close you're it's not like you're way up on a stage and you know the audience is way out there 100 yards away you're right there and and to get that kind of a reaction in in an environment like that it's i just can't describe it it's there's no other feeling like it it's adrenaline it's a sense of accomplishment because you're do, I mean, it's all happening live and it's all very orchestrated and scripted and everybody's got to hit their mark and everybody's got to do what the, everybody said they were going to do backstage. And then when it all comes together, man, it's like, it's like a great symphony and it just, it, and everybody roars and all from a simple thumbs down gesture. And that's just fucking cool to be able to get that reaction and manipulate that audience. Now, you know, you're going to do it. You know, that that's a moment. You don't know whether it's going to get over as much as you hope it will, but you know, that that's, that's the key moment. And then a whole presentation, that whole segment. And then when it, when the roof blows off, Oh, I'm so not going to say it's better than sex, but fuck, it's close. <laughs> So March 7th from Raleigh, North Carolina, had a backstage segment with, uh, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Ed, Shelton, Benjamin, and Christian, where Eric Bischoff would state Jericho came to him the previous week with the idea of putting on a six man ladder match at WrestleMania. 
with the winner earning a world title shot for whenever he wants over the course of a year. Bischoff then made matches for later in the night involving all six men with Christian facing the unknown sixth man, which of course would become Kane. This is the beginning of the money in the bank concept. what do you think of that idea? I was ambivalent towards it. Really? Yeah. 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 It just, again, I understood it intellectually. I understood it and it made sense. Just wasn't my cup of tea. It's just, I was ambivalent. I didn't like it. I didn't dislike it. I just knew what my role was and I went out there to do it as best I could, but I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't excited about it and I wasn't negative about it. I just ambivalence. The only word I can think of. Wow. I thought for sure you would have loved that one, you know, cause you, you're so big on stakes, but maybe you don't like that. There's a ladder involved. Yeah. A little bit that, that, that was probably a good part of it. I understand. Well, let's keep it going here. Uh, it's also going to have an opportunity for Bischoff to announce that triple H is going to be picking or Batista rather is going to be picking triple H's opponent for the following week. And the triple H gets to pick, gets to pick Batista's opponent the week after that. So there's some <laughs> cool storyline stuff of, Hey, this is the WrestleMania match, but along the way, we're going to have a little fun. And I like the idea of, well, you're going to face that guy and that guy's going to face this guy. Um, creatively, is there a lame duck spot from say end of January to early April? where we know we have our WrestleMania main event, but along the way we got some pay-per-views and we got to tell some other stories, but they're really not nearly as important as WrestleMania. That's a tough spot to be in. Is it not? Once you sort of set the stage for, Hey, the big things coming two months from now, here's some little shit until then. Yeah, I, I guess it's hard. Um, I've never done it. So, I mean, I've never had a WrestleMania type. Yeah. Um, pay-per-view that I, you know, that I announced the main event for eight weeks in advance. So I've never, I've never done it. So I can't speak from experience, but in hindsight, uh, I think that the triple H is going to make a match for Batista and Batista is going to make it just silly. Yeah. And I think it diminishes the perception that there's, legitimate stakes and structure when talent can start making matches. I've always had a big issue with that. And I've been guilty of allowing it by the way. But even now when I go back and I see situations like that, it's like, Oh, death by a thousand cuts, just one more thing that takes any kind of perceived credibility out of the process. I, I hate it when talent has the ability to make their own matches. Like, well, who fucks who's in charge? Yeah. I mean, it's like when we, you know, you're going to watch college football, you know, this afternoon, this being Saturday and there's no head coach, right? There's no offensive coordinator. It's just, it's just the guys on the team get to decide what plays they're going to run. Yeah. No, it, it's just one more thing. That's what I mean. It's in and of itself. It's not like a death now. Right. But it's just one more thing that makes it harder for me to want to believe in what I'm seeing sense 
Well, what I wanted to see was your ass taking RKO. And, uh, we've set a match here for Randy Orton versus the undertaker at WrestleMania. He's going to try to end the undertaker streak. And, uh, you really like that and come out to tell Randy that you're proud of him. And you hope that when Randy beats him, that you get more stock options because I guess your stock options are tied to the undertaker's win loss record. I don't really know, but then he calls you a legend for having beat Monday night raw for 83 weeks. And of course, anytime Randy referred to someone as a legend, since he is known as the legend killer, well, look out here. It comes the RKO taking your fair share of bumps. Where does the RKO ramp rank? It was easy. Randy is the ultimate pro. It was fun. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. You know, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't worried about it. I, I, I knew what I had to do. It was pretty simple. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of effort on the person's part that's getting it, other than to relax and just let it happen and put your faith in the guy that's, in my case, Randy. And I did, and I wasn't worried about it, and it was fun. I'm I'm glad. You know, it's like I forgot I even did that, by the way. And I, I didn't even realize it until you were saying it that I took that RKO, but um, it was super easy. Well, I remember it because he put your butt to sleep almost as good as chili sleep does to me. Chili <laughs> sleep is the new home or actually sleep. Me is the new home for chili sleep. You've heard me ragging about chili sleep forever. Well, now they're sleep me. So they're bringing you the same great sleep that chili sleep had, but under a new name sleep. Me now makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core body temperatures and it helps you promote deeper, more restorative sleep. That's been the case for me. I've had mine for years. I absolutely love it. I travel with one. Eric's even putting them in all of his spare bedrooms. Uh, growing up here in the South, I've lived in Alabama my whole life. I knew I had to have a ceiling fan over my bed. I've always had that since I was a kid. And I've always kept one foot out from under the covers. And I've always fought with the pillow to find the cool side. And Eric was at my house prior to chilly sleep. I would crank down that AC to where you could hang freaking meat in there. <laughs> There's one bathroom in the hallway that Eric makes fun of and calls the meat locker because he knows at night I'm going to crank it way, way down. Cause I sleep better. Well, it turns out I don't need my bathroom to be cool. I need my bed to be cool and chilly sleep. Now sleep me has created think of this almost like a, uh, a digital thermostat for your bed. How cool would that be? Right. If you could just say, well, I want my bed to be 65 degrees or I want my wife's side to be 71. We can do that. That's a real thing. Sleep me has made it possible. They make the Uller, the cube and the doc pro sleep system. Either way, we're talking water-based temperature control controlled mattress toppers. Let me explain. This fits over your existing mattress. No, it's not a water bed, but water has these amazing thermal properties. You can heat it up and it'll make your bed warm. You can cool it down and it'll make your bed cool. It's fantastic. It's a home run. I'm sleeping better than ever. I've got bright, vivid, colorful dreams. I'm not getting up to pee. I'm not flipping. I'm not fighting. It's a home run. I have no trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, and I don't wake up feeling tired. And you can do this too. They've also launched the brand new Doc Pro sleep system. It has two times more cold power than the other models. It's whisper quiet. It's got a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for five times more cooling contact. By the way, you can store all of this on your app. You can automate it on your app. My wife's bed starts getting her side of the bed starts getting cold at the right time. Every night starts warming up at the right time every morning to let her wake up. It's automated. It's fantastic. 
I love it. You will too. Head over right now. Just take a look. As JR says, it costs nothing to look. Head over. It's sleep.me forward slash 83 weeks. You'll save 25% off the purchase of any new Doc Pro, Cube, or Uller sleep system. This offer is exclusively available for 83 weeks listeners. It's only for a limited time. That's sleep, S L E E P dot M E, that's M E, slash 83 weeks to so take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Sleep.me forward slash 83 weeks. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. So Eric, let's talk about what's next here for you. Um, Hulk Hogan's going in the hall of fame, WrestleMania 21 in Los Angeles. He shouts out Bischoff in the speech, thanking him for all they'd done for him. And when the crowd boos, he says, Hey, me and Bischoff made a lot of money together. So it's kind of cool to be acknowledged by the greatest wrestler or the biggest wrestler of all time here, the biggest star of them all, but it is fun that creatively boy these fans in the crowd they still know you're a heel boo was it surreal to see hulk hogan going to the wwe hall of fame and get a shout out from him getting the shout out was cool i didn't expect it um in fact i would have bet that it wouldn't have happened um so yeah of course it was cool and so was his response it's just hulk hogan man that's he's he's (laughs) he's unpredictable but that was, it was very cool. I appreciated it. Obviously I'm not insinuating your feelings were hurt at all. Cause I know that ain't really the way you roll, but I am curious when you're such a big part of the program, 52 weeks a year and a lot of the pay-per-views, but certainly the TV weekend, week out. And then it comes to WrestleMania weekend. You're not even involved on the show. Is that weird? Not, not does it bother you or are your feelings hurt? I'm not asking that, but is it weird? Like. I'm on every show and I'm not on this show. That feels a little weird to me. I, I never thought of it. it I I don't know. I mean, maybe it, maybe it is weird. Maybe there was a reason for it that I just wasn't aware of, but I never thought about it. I, I was on the team. It's kind of like what I said in the beginning of this, when we were talking about, talent and, and being grateful and being patient and, and not just, you know, rip off the rock, but knowing your role. Yeah. You know, I I was a supporting cast member. That's all I was. And while I was a supporting cast member and basically I was the thread, I helped set things up so that they could progress creatively on television or through, throughout the course of a month or whatever, leading to a paper. I'm just a thread. That's all that role was just, supporting cast member. And I was grateful just to be at the event. I was excited to be there. And I didn't really think about why am I not on the show? Why am I not on a WrestleMania? It never occurred to me. Well, I'm sure you wondered why am I on this tour? Uh, because they do a raw tour of Australia a few days after WrestleMania, they go from April 7th to the 9th. They're in Brisbane, Newcastle, and Sydney. You're on all the shows, but you're there just to run down the cards at the beginning of the shows. 
So you flew a day there and a day back to say, coming up tonight, you'll be seeing it. And I'm sure you had to be thinking, this has got to be the easiest, most pointless gig in the history of my life. I'm not sure if I like it or if I hate it. No, again, not true at all. I was excited. I was going to Australia for crying out loud. Come I'm not going to be excited about that. Awesome. That was, it was, I, I was thrilled. And because it was WWE, you know, we, we toured to these different places, uh, by bus and I got to see the countryside. I got to see parts of Australia that you don't get to see typically as a tourist when you're just flying in and out. So I, I didn't, again, I, I didn't think twice about it. I didn't say to myself, God, I can't believe they flew me all the way over here. All I get to do is. I I didn't mean it in a complaining thing. I just think it's got to be like, this is the greatest gig ever. I got, it was for me. Cause I, I, like I said, I love at that time. I really love traveling. I love seeing something new and experiencing a different culture and, you know, just experiencing something I'd never experienced before. So that's the way I looked at it. I didn't, it's just awesome. So after that, it's really trying to build up the ECW one night stand pay-per-view the show itself. You, you spend a lot of May and June, uh, just building towards that show. And we did a whole one night stand episode. Uh, so go, uh, go check that one out in the archives, but the build up to that was a lot of fun. They brought you in as a super heel. Uh, they're trying to establish ECW as like its own entity, but there's a big moment along the way there where we get Vince McMahon, Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. Once upon a time, the big three in the, in the modern heyday of professional wrestling, the late nineties, the Monday night wars, but here we are, you guys in the ring together for the first time ever at the same time, that had to be kind of cool, right? To look around and be like, well, 10 years ago, this would not have been possible. And here we are. Yeah. I didn't think that, that thought, um, cause again, I was just in the moment and I wasn't being reflective at all. But I did think it was pretty cool. I could feel the energy, yeah, you know, and it, and Paul is such a great performer. And, and of course, by that time, Paul and I were friends, you know, we'd, we'd spend not every week, but occasionally we would spend an hour or two hours just riffing, talking about the business. And some of it would be, you know, what happened back then, but most of it was talking about the business in general and what was going on at that moment. But yeah, being in the ring and I love that there was a, there's a shot and I've seen it a million times because people send it to me every year on this date. There's a shot of me kind of adjusting my watch yes, and looking away, trying to ignore Paul. Paul, of course, he's got a neck brace on. He's just in my ear yelling at me and Vince McMahon is standing. It was a perfect shot, by the way, Vince McMahon is standing in the background with a, you know, Cheshire cat smile on his face going, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. It was, it was a, it was a fun segment and it was a really, really famous shot. I think I saved it actually. It's one of the few pictures that I have that I keep from that era, but yeah, it was, it was cool as shit. Cause it was, you know, it's like the stone cold Steve Austin angle that I did. Yeah. There's 20 years of backstory there. Right. <laughs> you know, the audience is already smart. They already know. They've been hearing about it, reading about it, talking about it, in some cases, seeing it. So they know. And to, to be able to walk into a storyline like the ECW pay-per-view and when I stand, 
with a built-in storyline with one of the best performers in the, in the industry. Fucking awesome. Is that. Did you, uh, were there any surprises out there? Was it all sort of agreed upon any hurt feelings on the, on the other side? I mean, there's parts where you wonder, Hey, do they run all that past each other? Or is he just have that one up his sleeve? Because sometimes organic conflict just comes off way better and we can blur the lines a little bit, or was that all something that was worked out well in advance? Um, I mean, no, there was no surprises. You yeah. Know, once we get it, once the red light was on and we're in, we're, you know, on our marks there, there was nothing surprised me at all. And again, I have a real high threshold for sensitivity when it comes to creative matters. I have a pretty thick skin. I have a pretty thick skin anyway, but especially when it comes to creative, I, I didn't, I didn't take anything personal and wasn't offended or put off or concerned. And I don't think anybody else was either. We we're playing to the audience. We were playing to the perception of what people thought we felt about each other. So turn up the volume and make them happy. It's crazy to think about why one night stand was so successful because it was successful. This is a brand that at that point had been dead for more than four years. Most of the talent, you know, they weren't familiar with the guys like Axel Rotten and balls Mahoney and all these folks they'd never really seen before. And there's no card announced and you're the main heel and you had nothing to do with ECW and they've positioned you as kind of the heel of the thing. And then it's still a home run, like in a conventional wisdom way, we would all make fun. If a wrestling company today said, all right, you don't know any of the guys and there's no real backstory and they don't have TV. They used to be around four years ago. So if you loved them, be sure to tune in. Oh, by the way, the guy who was never on the program, Eric Bischoff, well, he's the lead. He'll see you at the pay-per-view. But see, I was on the ECW program. I helped get a lot of the, I helped get Steve Austin over in ECW. Okay. I helped get Mick Foley over because those two guys used me to get themselves over by burying me to the ECW audience. Okay. Paul Heyman would come out and cut all kinds of promo about what an evil fucker Eric Bischoff is. Come on. I was, I was, I should have been getting checked. Not that anybody else got paid either, but I should have been getting checks for the amount of time that they use my name and my likeness or, or my character to, to get that talent over. That's where, isn't that where ATM Eric came from? Yeah. From ECW. I mean, do you remember seeing the video that Steve Austin did? We had a black wig on where he was imitating me and, Come on. I was all over that show, brother. I was a star in ECW long before people realized that there was going to be a one night stand in WWE. Sincerely. Were you surprised based on the way this was built and positioned that it was as successful as it was? No, I guess I wasn't. I, I, I'm not sure why I wasn't, but WWE typically does a really good job building things up. There was Paul Heyman. There was me. There was that backstory that the audience already knew about. It was fresh. It felt new and different. It was something other than the typical WWE pay-per-view that people have become accustomed to seeing at that time. Yeah. 
So no, I wasn't surprised at all. I don't, you know, I can't tell you, I wasn't involved on the business side of WWE. So from a financial perspective, I don't know how successful it was or wasn't, but I do know how it felt in the venue. And it seemed like a pretty big deal. And we got a lot of good response from it, you know, on the TVs leading up to it. So I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. So on the June 6th raw, John Cena is going to get drafted to raw from SmackDown. And Bischoff asked Cena to be a part of the anti-ECW movement, but he refuses. And when that happens, you then declare war on Cena over the summer of 2005. Of course, six days later is when one night stand happens. Were you happy to move on from the ECW storyline? Or did you feel like, you know, it had run its course. We got all, got all the juice out of that lemon we could, or what's the thinking? Uh, I, you know, I, I wasn't happy to move on from it. It, it, it had a finite beginning, middle and an end that I was well aware of going into it. Um, I was just, I, I keep using the same word here this morning, grateful, but God, how could you have not been grateful to be a part of that? It was, yeah. especially as a heel. Yeah. My God. Some of my, the most fun, but my, my, my all of my heel needs were satisfied for a long time after that event. I felt really good about my heel character after that. So it wasn't a, I was just grateful that it was successful and now it's move on to the next story and see where that goes. My heel needs. Oh, and I have them. I still have them. Not as much, but every once in a while, I just have this. I just got to be a heel. I don't care if it's on social media. Sometimes I do it on this show, you know, but. Just not as much as not as often as it used to occur, but every once in a while, I got to scratch that heel itch. I love it. So we've got, uh, the ultra heel, Eric now taking on the super baby face champion, John Cena. What did you think of the switch? Batista was the raw guy. Now Cena's going to be the raw guy. Were you excited to be working with Cena? What were your first impressions of working with him? I was probably more excited to work with John. Cena than I was worth Batista just for no specific reason. Like I had nothing but respect for Dave Batista. We worked professionally. We worked well together. There was no, no bad feelings in any way, shape or form or no disrespect in any way, shape or form. But there's something about John that just got me a little bit more excited because he was, he was just a, no disrespect to Batista, but John was a bigger personality. Yeah. He he was fair. more of a character and there was more there for me to bounce off of quite honestly. So I was more excited to work with John for that reason only not nothing personal, just, wow, this guy, this, this guy's a big character and this is going to be fun. So let's talk about Hulk Hogan coming back because he's going to pop back in here and he's going to start working a program with Shawn Michaels. Uh, what was your relationship like with Hulk in this era? Were you guys, would you travel at all together or is it just see you at the building, hang out at the hotel the night before? What, what's the environment like when Hulk comes back here in 05? Uh, we never traveled together. Of course, you know, we, I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona at the time and um, Hulk was living, still living and or living where he still lives in Tampa. So it wasn't like we were on the same plane ever going to an event. Um, we would obviously, you know, we were very close friends at the time. We talked regularly throughout the week. And if it was a situation where he was flying in the night before, 
which happened. Um, we would make plans to get together, probably did so every third TV or so, second or third TV, because a lot of times he'd get in late or sometimes he'd fly in really early in the morning. But when he'd get there the night before, and as long as it was before nine o'clock, uh, we'd usually get together for a beer or grab a bite to eat or something like that. So you're going to make Cena versus Jericho for the WWE title at SummerSlam. And Cena gives you the FU on the July 11th Raw from East Rutherford. And you're going to punish him by making him face Snitsky in a lumberjack match the following week. And of course, all the that, is, that was really good. I mean, that was punishment, by the way. Yeah, Snitsky and a lumberjack shoot. match. Yeah, that's punishment. Uh, of course, Cena still wins. The babyface locker room is going to come out to brawl with all the heel lumberjacks. But the thing that's really got everyone's attention online is the whole Matt Hardy storyline. He's going to come back to the WWE after being released. And immediately they play off of the whole Lita edge, real life circumstance and turn it into a storyline that feels like, uh, an Eric Bischoff story. I'm not saying that you had anything to do with it, but it does feel like the sort of thing that you would get really excited about. Fair to say. Mm, I probably would have got excited about it in the mid nineties, early nineties, after, after the, the Benoit, Nancy, Kevin Sullivan thing, I wasn't a big fan of that kind of personal issue being integrated into story. Cause it just can get really complicated unless everybody's really, really transparent and have all of their personal issues ironed out and everybody's happy and content and willing to kind of expose their dirty laundry, so to speak. If everybody's excited about doing it, I'm all for it because sometimes that type of thing, truth and reality is a great story to build upon from a fiction point of view, but oftentimes it's not man. And I had experienced the not. So I look, my job was to do the best I can with whatever material I was given. I didn't judge anything, but it's not like I was going, oh, wow, this is going to be awesome. I was more like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, but I hope it all turns out well. Yeah, I get you've been there, done that at that point. Uh, July 20th. It's just dangerous, man. It's, be, it's funny because sometimes because I think people go into going, oh, yeah, I can do that. Oh, yeah, we're, we're cool. Yeah, I know. We're, this is just wrestling. It's just TV. No problem. Until you do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, did I really want to let the world in on this part of my life? Really good long-term. So it's, it's sketchy at best. You air on the, uh, Rick rude. Don't let your wife get around the business side of things. Probably, you know, I never, first of all, Lori, you know, Mrs. B was never one to go, Oh, can, can I come with you this week? You know, she, right. you know, we had two young kids. She was busy at home. She had stuff to do and traveling when going to wrestling events with me was not high in her list of priorities. Uh, she'd, you know, come to Florida with me when we were there for, you know, 10, 12 days shooting TV. She'd come with the kids, of course, and we got to spend time together. But aside from, you know, the Disney shoots and things like that, I don't think Lori, Lori never attended a WWE event with me. Um, very few WCW events, unless they were in Japan or somewhere else, like I said, Disney. But I never worried about that because she never took any interest in being around it. But I can understand why 
guys would not want to look. I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't want their wives around their workplace all day. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I probably do agree with it. Maybe for different reasons, but yeah, I agree with that philosophy. So let's talk about, uh, your, your other family members. Since we're talking about family, Eugene's going to come back and, uh, capture Kurt angles, gold medals. He lasted three minutes in the Kurt angle invitational challenge. So always good to see your family around. Yes, sir. Uh, and then on August 8th in Pittsburgh, there's a highlight reel where Eric Bischoff is the guest. And during the segment, you're going to call out Chad Patton. Who's the WWE referee who made the pinfall on Carlito the previous week in this match against John Cena, who at the time is the champ. And of course you're doing this despite the fact that Jericho was the official for the match. And then you slap the referee Patton twice, demand an apology from him. Patton says he's sorry. And then Bischoff announces it's Jericho versus Patton after the commercial break. So Bischoff beat or Bischoff has now mandated Jericho beat up a referee in a match and it happens. They go three minutes and one second. Jericho finishes him off with the walls of Jericho. The guest referee, Eric Bischoff during the contest, Carlito comes down to ringside, attacks the referee when he falls to the outside of the match. Or, and, and then afterwards, Bischoff is going to punch the referee who's still locked in the walls. And then John Cena makes the save. John Cena drops Carlito with the FU, but buddy, this had to be super fun. You, you, you have a, a heel need. You said you were checking a lot of boxes that day. Yes. I got to check all of my heel need boxes and then pay it off. Actually having John pay it off, but you know that that's going to get a pop. Oh yeah. You know, before the cameras even go on, you know, early in the day, what you're going to do, you know, that's going to be a cool moment. It was nothing but a great time. It's uh, it's simple, but man, when wrestling's done well, that's what it is. And it's so fun. Um, by the way, you're at the raw in, in, in Montreal, uh, with, uh, Sean Michaels, who's now this ultra heel in the program with Hulk Hogan. Of course, Hulk Hogan is God in Montreal and they hate Sean Michaels for a variety of reasons there. And they play Bret Hart's music to the surprise of Sean. And it leads to people, it leads to people thinking Bret was there, but boy, the amazing heat. When they think, oh my gosh, Bret Hart's here. Cause this is of course where the Montreal screw job happened. This had to make you feel like, oh, when wrestling's good, ain't nothing better, dude. I rarely ever get jealous or envious creatively. This was one of those times when I went, God, I wish I would have thought of that. I wish I would have been the one to give Vince a call on the phone a week or two before going, Hey Vince, I got an idea. Why don't you do this? I wish I would have come up with that idea. It was so good. It almost made me cry. That's how good it was. And it brought a tear to my eye, a heel tear, mind you, but a tear nonetheless. So Cena was defeated by Jericho at SummerSlam and, uh, the next night on raw Jericho is fired by Bischoff afterwards. Because this was, of course, a loser gets fired match. It's a great way to write Jericho out, and you guys play your parts here perfectly. It's kind of ironic that Jericho's exit from WWE 
and it's really the exit for the first time since he left WCW. Of course, he left WCW to get away from your ass, and now creatively, he's leaving WWE to get away from your ass. That's fun stuff. Well, no, I fired him. Well, still. he was begging for his job. If you remember, go back and look at the tape. He was on his hands and knees. Please, Mr. Bischoff, please don't fire me. Please, I'll do anything you want to do, Mr. Bischoff. Anything. It was, it, it was pathetic. Oh, I love you. <laughs> hey, speaking of pathetic, the night before, we got to address the controversy of SummerSlam 05. When people think of SummerSlam 05, they don't think of anything other than Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels bumping like a pinball all over the ring. Most people assume it is the most ridiculous, unprofessional performance of all time. But others say, no, he was just working hard. Kind of tongue in cheek. You saw it. And we both know how much fun guys like Mr. Perfect and Dolph Ziggler and at times Shawn Michaels have had with some of their super sensational sales. But it was a little cartoony. And maybe Michaels did it because he thought Hogan's stuff was a little cartoony. And well, there's just been a lot of discussion about this match. What do you remember thinking when you watched it live? I was I, I lost all respect for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Just look, it it was pretty clear. I mean, there was, there was an issue between Hulk and, and Shawn Michaels. There was a lack of respect, I think there, um, perhaps some jealousy on Shawn's part that here's this Hulk Hogan. He's still here. He's still the guy. I don't know. I I, I wasn't close to Shawn at that point. Allegedly, it was over a finish. There was this debate about whether or not we're doing it two more times or three more times or never again. And supposedly, here's what we're doing, and then it was changed. And I get that. Yeah. Deal with it after the show's over. Yes. Deal with it next week when you get back to the office. Do whatever you need to do, but don't. I just don't go into business for yourself. And that's exactly what Sean did. He was doing it to prove a point. He was doing it to embarrass Hogan. And he, he, I I just lost all respect for Sean Michaels that night. I was pissed. And and not because it was Hulk Hogan, right? Fucking main event of a pay-per-view. So you're going into business for yourself because your feelings are hurt or you're, you're jealous or you're pissed off. Yeah. Don't be a bitch. Go out and do your job. Be a pro and deal with it after the fact. Don't be a bitch. Words from Eric Bischoff here. Should be a t-shirt. Don't be a bitch. Do you think, you know what? It is a t-shirt right now over at, um, adfreecares.com. By the way, when you take a look over there, you'll see that all of our great podcasts are donating 100% of the proceeds from our merch this year, directly to St. Jude's. Not $1 goes to Eric. Not $1 goes to me and all 100% goes directly to St. Jude's. That's at adfreecares.com. You can pick up the most affordable shirts because we've marked them way down. Literally there's enough profit in there to send directly to St. Jude's. It pays for the shirt and that's it. So the result is maybe the most affordable shirts on pro wrestling tees and 100% of the proceeds goes directly to St. Jude's adfreecares.com. Thanks for the reminder, Eric. So don't be a bitch. The new t-shirt available now. Um, I am curious. What's the fallout like? Uh, do you think Hogan and Sean are on speaking terms today? Have they squashed the beef? Is everybody happy now? Oh, I think so. I, 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 I 
doubt that they break bread together or, or hang out together or anything like that. But, you know, in fairness, Sean, Sean has really turned his life around. I mean, the Sean Michaels that you would meet today would probably be just as disappointed in himself for doing what he did as I was. Um, Sean's a different cat and Hulk doesn't hold grudges. Yeah. You know, it, it's so funny. I hear people, talk, I hear people talk about Hulk Hogan, like they really know him and they don't. And there's this narrative about what kind of person Hulk is. He's, he's one of the most generous and one of the most forgiving people you'll ever meet. He doesn't want to carry any negative baggage around, especially when it's negative baggage. that doesn't matter to anyone anymore. I mean, it's silliness in a way. It's like having a grudge against somebody that you went to school with in the sixth grade because he took your lunch money twice. It's like fucking stupid. Yeah. And I think that Hulk is probably in that frame of mind. I mean, he's, and I think Sean is too. So I would imagine if they crossed paths, they would probably sit down and have a wonderful dinner together or whatever. But um, I think at the time Hulk was just, I, I think his feelings were hurt. He knew what was going on. He he knew he was being embarrassed out there by Sean and he knew it was intentional and he wasn't angry. I remember seeing him after the match because I, I went right to him. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't angry. Just, I think he was, I think his feelings were hurt. He was disappointed. I don't say feelings are hurt. That's not the right way to say it. I think he was just extremely disappointed because he knew it sucked. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. Let's uh, let's talk about what's next on the program here. Kurt Angle is going to attack Cena. Bischoff names him the number one contender. Forms an alliance for the next few months. At this point in time, Kurt's like a, a wrestling machine, is he not? He is. I remember, and I don't know where it was. I think it was in the UK. Maybe it was in two thousand five. I don't know. <laughs> I remember it was the first time that I ever had to do anything physical in the ring where Kurt was involved. And I was a little nervous about it. And I, it's like one of the only times I was ever. Yeah. It was really one of the only times I was ever really nervous going into a segment because I didn't want to fuck it up because it was Kurt. And Kurt kind of laid everything out. I don't even remember exactly what the match was or what we're doing, but I do remember Kurt kind of laying it out with me, you know, backstage before we got out there. And Kurt, Kurt was like so laser focused. It, it, there's no other term for it. He was laser fucking focused. And he saw this sequence at the end of whatever match it was we're doing. He saw it in his head very, very clearly. And I think he expected me to see it as clearly as he saw it. So as he's laying it out, he's speaking, I don't want to say in shorthand, but laying it out probably the way he would to another wrestler to who's wrestler, used to hearing yeah. things laid out. I, you know, I've heard it a million times, but never had to listen to it, hear it, and go out and doing it. So but it was a little harder right for there. me. To, let me ask huh? you context. I've heard this before. So let me just yeah. add context. If you've never heard wrestlers lay a match out, Eric and I will lay a match out together. Now, again, this is going to sound stupid because we don't know what we're doing, but as non wrestlers, this is what it sounds like. 
So then boom, boom, boom. I'm going to fuck you in the deal over the top, up and under nuts in the face. Boom, boom, boom. You fuck Give me. me you yeah. <laughs> and then one, two, you know, get it again. Like what the fuck? Just, you didn't say anything. It was just gibberish. This is like code for a computer. None of the, what does fuck you in the face mean? And am I fucking you in the face? Or are you fuck? Well, can we even do that on this? Pr- this is TVMA now. What are we doing? Like it makes no sense, but that's how it sounds, right? And it and I think with with Kurt number one because I think Kurt, you know, just because of his background, you yeah, know, he's so disciplined and so focused, and probably images things in his head long before he actually tries to execute them. Yeah, and that's a real talent. Very few people can do that, especially at his level. But I think Kurt just kind of assumed because I was backstage all the time and had been around the business for as long as I have that I just, I fucking understood every word he said. And I, yeah. and I didn't want to be that guy. Going, I'm sorry, Kurt. I know you're really intense right now and we got to go out there and do this, but I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. So I went, okay, I'll figure it out when I get out there. But I was a little nervous about it because I didn't want to disappoint Kurt. Well, and, the result was boom, boom, boom. He fucked you in the face and you disappointed Kurt. Right? Yeah, no, no, it, it turned out fine, but yeah. it was, I was really nervous about it. It was really nervous. The first time I worked with Kurt, he was super, super intense and in a, a level of focus that I've never experienced before, before or after working with him. You know, it's almost like our man was on athletic greens back then, you know, because these days you and I know. Whatever you're looking for, whether it's your energy, your nervous system, your gut health, your immune system, your recovery, your focusing, your, your aging, all the things, well, they're all in AG one. We're talking one delicious scoop of AG one. It's got you absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's like an all in one daily nutritional insurance. That's the way my wife describes it to me. She's been using AG1 for years, long before they were here on the podcast. But now that we've introduced the Bischoffs to them, buddy, it's a it's a match made in heaven. Everybody I know that I've introduced this to absolutely loves it. From D- DDP on down the line, it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you're eating keto or paleo or vegan or dairy-free or gluten-free, it's got less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs. There's no nasty chemicals. There's no artificial anything. And it still tastes good but it's going to help with your sleep quality and recovery. It's going to help support mental clarity and alertness, all the things, and don't take our word for it. There's over 7,000 five-star reviews out there for AG1 right now, and we believe it's time for you to reclaim your health. Arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It really is just one scoop and a cup of water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash 83 weeks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash 83 weeks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So Eric, let's talk about what happens here. Unforgiven. We've got Kurt Angle defeating John Cena by DQ. Mike Kyoto is going to stop the match after there's some, uh, well, unnecessary belt shots. You're going to come down. Kyoto's knocked out. Now we're going back and forth. And the next night on raw, you open the show with the WWE title. You introduce Kurt Angle and say, I've stripped John Cena of the title as a result of him attacking me the night before. And unforgiven. 
And now Kurt Angle is the new title holder. And of course that brings out Vince McMahon and who says, nope, overruled. Cena's still the champ and Mick Foley, Triple H, Hulk Hogan, and Steve Austin will all be on hand for the October 3rd return of raw to the USA network. And oh, by the way, don't forget to tune in the USA to see John Cena beat the shit out of Eric Bischoff. So it's you versus the biggest star in the company for the raw homecoming on the USA network. How do you find yourself in this spot? This is like big time opportunity and you're not even a wrestler. And here you are. I had heat. That's all that was necessary. And it, and again, I just want to tell you, I forgot all about that till yeah. just now. It's just another one of those things that I appreciate so much more now than I did. I wish I would have appreciated as much then. It's a shame to go through life and not really recognize those moments as to be as big as they are. But yeah, it was cool. Here's what I remember about that night. I think this is the night. Cena somehow, he was outside of the ring. He was hanging over the ropes. His chin was, his head was outside the ring. I think this was the night. I'll have to go back and look. Hang on. Before we get there, I want to remind you about this. Yeah. This is the last Raw on Spike TV. Now, guys, I know it feels like as we're all talking now that USA has had Raw from the beginning. Well, that wasn't the case. Spike rolled up a Brinks truck for WWE to come over, but now USA sweetening the pot for them to come back in a major way. So this is the last ever raw on spike TV. We got Carlito and Chris masters in a tag match against John Cena and Shawn Michaels. It's a tables match. Kurt angle is going to come down with uh, Eric Bischoff and shove Shawn Michaels off the top through a table that was set up on the floor. And Eventually, after the contest, Cena attempts to hit the FU on angle, but gets a low blow from Bischoff. And then he takes the old Olympic slam through a table. And as the show's coming to a close, here's Bischoff posing with Cena's title belt. Angle, of course, is bad mouthing Shawn Michaels outside of the ring. But here you are to close the last ever Raw on Spike TV, holding up the WWE title as the credits drop. And that's all to set up. Cena versus you for the raw homecoming on USA. This story has some heat brother and you're right in the middle of it. It's fantastic. It's Dallas, October 3rd, 2005. Uh, they start the show with Kurt angle versus Shawn Michaels in a 30 minute Iron Man match. We got edge versus Matt Hardy in a ladder match. We got triple H turning on Ric Flair to mark the end of evolution the promo with you and Vince. That's just great. And then unbelievably here we go. Austin's going to stun the entire McMahon family. And then Batista Benoit and Mysterio come out to take on JBL, Eddie Guerrero and Christian, but it doesn't happen because it's announced that you're in charge because Vince McMahon has left the building and you're going to order the, the lights be turned off at the show, go to a commercial break, which is fantastic that you just, have these guys in the ring, kick them out of here, turn the lights off. And now it's you and John Cena for the WWE title in the main event. Meltzer would say you guys were badly rushed that they were already past the scheduled ending time before the match even started, but that Cena got a bigger pop than even Hulk Hogan. 
And Meltzer would say Bischoff, who looked to be out of shape, came out in a black gi to hide his gut. It may, it was made a no DQ, even though Vince ordered it not to be since Vince has left the building angle interfered, but Cena got him up for the FU Bischoff used a low blow for a near fall, but no pop for the kick out angle went to hit Cena with a chair, but missed the chair got hit in the ropes and bounced back and knocked angle out. That's one of the greatest spots in the world. The first 499 times you see it. Cena used the FU and got the pin. Teddy long came out, said they're doing it gangsta style and sent the entire SmackDown crew to attack Cena and angle. And they're all underneath guys ran in and the show went off the air with a brawl. The fans were cheering the raw guys, even when show faced off with Batista and then the raw guys cleaned house to end the show. He gave it a dud rating, but still you're in the main event of raw homecoming against the biggest star of them all. That's a cool deal, man. It is a cool deal. I don't know what that show got ratings wise. It probably was pretty good. Yeah. Um, we were rushed. That part was true. I don't think I was fat though at the time. I I think in 2005, I was, I was really out of shape when I got to WWE initially, but I kind of cleaned up pretty good. And I think in 2005, I was actually in pretty decent shape. So I don't think that part was true. Um, but it could have been, who knows? You know, I don't, I don't know for sure. It was a fun night. I'd like to go back and see what the ratings were that show had to be pretty good uh there's some some fun moments here on that show you know roddy piper's there mean jeans there dusty Rhodes is there harley race is there and then we've got uh a raw on october 24th from uh, 2005 this is a fresno show where we got kurt angle defeating john cena in a non-title match where mick foley is the special guest referee carlito is going to attack him though so you're going to take over officiating uh, and this is also the show where they start to make fun of Jim Ross's colon surgery. And this has been debated and discussed a long time. They have Vince McMahon played Dr. Heine and they're mocking JR's colon surgery, his real life surgery that he had to have. And they're going to pull things out of his ass in this skit. They pull out a football, uh, university of Oklahoma football helmet, May Young's hand, an owl a goldfish and then a dummy Jim Ross head. So McMahon could look in the camera and say, JR, you've had your head up your own ass. And <laughs> a lot of people, including JR and his wife didn't think this was the coolest thing to do. what did you think of that decision? What did I think of it? I mean, I saw the humor in it because it was just so fucking bizarre. Um, it's like a skit you would see on Saturday night live if they were going to do a parody of wrestling. Um, but there was some humor in it and I, I understood that, but I didn't appreciate it as a segment. I, I understood it, but I, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but that's, you know, that was Vince's sense of humor, right? He just, he had that freshman frat boy sense of humor where if it was a fart joke or anything of that nature, you know, oh, damn, I like that. We'll do that. You know, he loved that kind of shit. I don't no pun intended, but I understand why Jim felt the way Jim felt. It's kind of degrading. 
And what does it get you? You know, yeah. what does burying out? Jim Ross actually get you? Yeah. What, what do, you know, look, I never minded and I was put in plenty of embarrassing, almost degrading situations. I never thought twice about them because there was a reason for it. It achieved something. It set something up that got the right reaction. That's your role as a heel. Your role as a heel isn't to always come out on top or in a righteous way or to, or to get empathy or sympathy from the audience as a heel. It's the opposite of that. Jim wasn't a heel. Right. So why do it? Where, where does it take you? NMLS number 65084 equal housing lender. Woo! The five-star reviews are in and it's confirmed. Savewithconrad.com can save you thousands. Jimmy E writes that we saved his family more than a thousand dollars a month. James S says we saved his family more than $1,200 a month. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at savewithconrad.com. But if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, or even worse, if you're in a 30-year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money, but a matter of how much at savewithconrad.com. Well, where it takes you is SmackDown. Uh, you're going to uh, show up being confronted by the boogeyman. And then eventually you're going to meet Teddy long. Who's the GM of SmackDown in the ring. You're trying to set up a match at survivor series. It's going to be a 10 man elimination match. You're laying out that you want your best against his best. And he says he wants to go one-on-one with you playa and has you escorted out of the arena. You had some history with Teddy long going back a long time. How fun is it to be opposite him as GM of SmackDown and mix it up a little bit with some promos. It's another one of those moments. And I did think about this one because Teddy and I, when I first came to WCW, you know, I worked with Teddy a lot Yeah, and typically on Fridays, he and I were the last because everybody wanted to get out on Friday as early as they could and get home and have the weekend. So Teddy and I would get pushed to the end of the day on Friday. So once Tony got all his stuff done and JR got all his stuff done, then there was a crew available for us down in the post-production studio to do our ins and outs or intros and outros, whatever you want to call them. So Teddy and I worked a lot together and we were both the low guys on the totem pole in that regard. And then we go out every Friday night after we were done um, Teddy and I would go out to Casa Gallarda and pound margaritas and eat nacho chips and just had a blast. So, and Teddy would come over to my house and, you know, you'd bring Garrett do-rags. Garrett for the longest time was the only white kid in our neighborhood that was running around wearing do-rags. <laughs> Teddy, would, Teddy, Teddy would bring him do-rags <laughs> and Garrett loved him. <laughs> He'd be riding up and down. His, he, he, he had a little go-kart. He'd have his do-rag on. He's out in his go-kart. <laughs> now I, and then to go from that memory and that relationship, and now here we are in WWE. I mean, just that right there, just that fact is kind of crazy in a yeah. way. So not only are we both now in WWE, but here we are kind of the focus of this particular show on Smack. It was just nuts. Again, very, very grateful for that experience. And I still, Teddy and I still, you know, we, we don't hang out, but we still stay in touch. And he's a good dude. He's a really good dude. We have a, another uh, fun moment uh, from SmackDown on November 11th. You're going to show up uh, backstage and be confronted by Teddy Long on SmackDown. He's going to ask you to leave. Chris Masters is going to attack security. And here we go. There's a big mix up. 
you're going to jump in JBL's limo. The wrestlers are chasing after you. Uh, it's kind of fun to see where we're trying to go with this brand split and brand warfare for survivor series. We know none of it ever hit, but we're at least trying here. And just two days later, boy, we try to overcome the really bad news. Eddie Guerrero passes away November 13th, 2005. You guys wind up doing a double taping of raw and SmackDown. You're going to change whatever the, the course was to be Eddie tribute shows. You did a tribute that night to Eddie, man, take us back. What must have that have been like the whole cruise in Minneapolis and the word starts to get around. Have you heard the news? Can't describe it. It, it was, it was unreal. It, it didn't feel like it was possible. Just didn't. And of course you're around a lot of people. I was around a lot of people who were a lot closer to Eddie than I was. And I was fairly close to Eddie and we we're pretty good friends. I remember it must've been a month or two before when, uh, after a show we were somewhere and after a show, we got done early enough and went back to the hotel and Eddie was sitting down at at the bar and he wasn't drinking a lot at the time. And we just had the best conversation. It was like the first time we'd ever really talked about WCW in any kind of detail. And he was in a very grateful frame of mind. And we just had a great conversation. And I remember the last time I'd seen Eddie was actually the week before because Eddie lived in Phoenix. And so did I live in Scottsdale, but you know, we flew into the Phoenix airport together we sat next to each other on a plane the week before and the last time i saw eddie was in the phoenix airport we were both standing there waiting for our bags and uh had a great chat gave each other a hug soon we we're going to see each other the following week and obviously we didn't in it to be surrounded by so many people that were actually closer to eddie than i was and to feel their pain and and shock and disbelief it just made it even more surreal it was tough it was tough we uh we know you guys are going to do a a tour of the uk and you're going to go for a bunch of house shows they're taping raw on the 21st in sheffield they open the show and all these shows with a 10 bell salute for Eddie every night. So there's a lot of respect and outpouring from not only the fans, but the company and, and his coworkers, but eventually the company would make the decision and this would be heavily debated to turn Eddie's death into a storyline. Obviously he really passed away, but they're at least referencing it in storyline. Some people thought that was in poor taste. What'd you think? I was conflicted. Part of it was the business aspect of it. Worried about how people are going to take it and react to it. And I hope I'm not wrong when I say this, because I don't know. Maybe Chavo could chime in at some point. I'll ask him next time I see him. Shout out to Chavo Guerrero though, doing extremely well. Um, but I always 
in those situations, I always think to myself, what would, how would Eddie feel? Would Eddie go? Yeah, I get that. It's unfortunate that I'm not no longer here, but I understand or appreciate that story. I don't know, man. Cause I think it's business. And I think Eddie loved the business. I think Eddie would have given it a pass. I don't know. I like to think that maybe I choose to think that it's probably the case. Oh man. I don't think we'll ever get over Eddie Guerrero. What an impression he made and how fun would he, how much fun would he be having with today's product and just the environment we're in now? It's like, he'd be all about it. I'll say, <laughs> by the way, I want to mention, uh, you know, I've recently started to discover, and we've talked about it a lot here on the program lucha and my my love of lucha has got me so excited i'm going to triple mania this weekend eric uh and i want to challenge everyone who's not able to make the trip if you're looking for a really fun escape for from from the norm of professional wrestling you want something fun to do well this saturday october 15th is triple mania 30 from mexico city and the main event is Pentagon Jr. versus Volano number four, mask versus mask. We got Vikingo, who a lot of people think is the next big thing against Ray Phoenix, who a lot of people think is the current best thing, maybe one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, we got Pagano and Cibernetico. We got Camille and Taya, just an incredible card top to bottom. And it's on pay-per-view. You can watch it over on fight. It's like half of what most wrestling pay-per-views costing is 22 bucks. Uh, over on fight, it's watch triplemania.com. So do what I'm doing. Check out the show this Saturday, something totally different, but something super exciting. I think maybe the most exciting wrestling that you can find that's happening this Saturday, huge celebration, triple mania 30. Be sure to tune in on pay-per-view watch triplemania.com. Uh, so I'm going to watch, I've got a, there's a great little Mexican restaurant down the road from where I live. It's called Michael's Tacos. Not very Hispanic sounding, but it's a family-owned Mexican. Everybody that works there, uh, I take that back. There's some servers there now that aren't Mexican or aren't a part of the family, but it's a family-owned. I mean, the mother works there, the grandmother works there, I love the uncles work there, everybody works there, right? And it is the most authentic. And I've lived in LA, so you can throw all the hand grenades people want to throw at me that are listening to this, and I don't know good Mexican food. Fuck you. I do. I lived in Phoenix. I sought out family owned Mexican restaurants. So this place here in Cody, Wyoming, believe it or not, has some of the best Mexican food that I've had outside of Los Angeles. So I'm going to have them. I'm going to have them make me up a big batch of tamales. There you go. And I'm going to watch triple mania with some catered, original, authentic family prepared Mexican food to celebrate. I'm going to get into the culture. It's, you don't want to just watch this to watch right. wrestling. Of course you do. You want to see the great wrestling. You want to see what Lucha, Lucha wrestling is all about, but you also want to immerse yourself into culture. And I can't think of a better way to immerse myself into a culture than to enjoy good food. So that's what I'm going to do. Hit it up. Watch wrestle, watch triple mania.com. I'll get it right. Watch triple mania.com. Man, it's like WrestleMania 30, but the Lucha version. And it's this Saturday. Check it out. 22 bucks. Watch triplemania.com. 
Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little bit about adfreeshows.com. People often ask me, what exactly is adfree shows all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not only do you get early ad-free access to all of my podcasts starting at just $9, but you also get many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts like Click This with Kevin Nash, Gentleman Villain with William Regal, Oh You Didn't Know with Brian James, and others for, yes, still just $9 a month. That's 14 podcasts in total every single week early with no ads. That's like 20 cents an episode. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or through your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Want some more cheese on that Whopper? AdFreeShows.com has literally tens of thousands of hours worth of bonus content, including fantastically popular series like Eric Fox Back, Idle Chase, and Strictly Business. And I don't know why this is a thing, but there's even more than 40 Ask Conrad episodes waiting for you at AdFreeShows.com. We've got monthly Zoom chats with all the podcast hosts, live watch-alongs with wrestling legends, and more. Come on now. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered. That's adfreeshows.com. It's the best value in wrestling today. Check it out right now. Adfreeshows.com. You'll be glad you did. So let's talk about it. Survivor Series 2005. We got a backstage uh, skit here where Bischoff is going to tell Vince he's going to screw John Cena like Vince screwed Brett. Of course, later John Cena appears and scares Bischoff away. And then Cena shook Vince McMahon's hand and Vince said, keep it up my blank. Well, you know, he dropped the in bomb here. And as Vince walks off, he passes Booker and Charmel. We get a close shot of Booker saying, tell me he didn't just say that at the time. This was a story for a day or two, and then it went away. In 2022, it would have never happened. What do you think about this decision that was made to have Vince on camera trying to be hip and cool, but dropping a freaking end bomb? What's the thinking there, Eric? What's the upside? There is no upside. I mean, again, I understood it. He's trying to pretend he was hip, right? Pretend he was street pretend he had some of that street cred but i i just i was dumbfounded and yeah it was 2005 but still as a guy that grew up in detroit that i mean i just i heard that and i i was in shock i was just in shock Tough deal. Bad I, there's nothing, I, I don't even know what else to say. I, I was in such shock. I didn't even, I just yeah. walked away from it, shaking my head. In hindsight, I feel bad for Booker T for Charmel and for John Cena, because you know, it's not their idea, but here we go. You're part of it. You're part of it. Uh, speaking of being part of it, you were part of it. You damn. I just can't believe this is a sentence. This is the guy who beat Ric Flair at Starcade. This is the guy who beat Terry Funk for the hardcore title. Mm-hmm. And this is the guy who did the J O B to Teddy long. Ric Flair. Couldn't fuck weed. Teddy, uh, Terry Funk didn't want none, but Teddy long got in that ass in five minutes and 24 seconds. 
And Meltzer had this to say, this was bad at a level we haven't seen since they had Ashley do that singles match on TV where she only had a week or two of training negative star and a half. The crowd booed both guys and just wanted this match over. These kind of gimmick matches only work when people want to see them badly. And boy, was it obvious that wasn't the case here. (laughs) Palmer cannon and talk about a guy who may as well be invisible was long's manager. He accidentally distracted long and Bischoff started choking long with the belt on his gi. Bischoff then did a karate chop to the throat. I was waiting for him to throw salt at this point. (laughs) Fans were booing the hell out of this and out came boogeyman. They shit on him as well. Then boogeyman gave Bischoff a pump handle slam and long pinned him. Yep. Bowling shoe ugly is the way a friend of ours would describe it. What do you remember of this? I absolutely agree. I mean, you can write this down. I agree with every syllable of what Dave <laughs> wrote. There is not a typo in anything that he wrote about his description of that match. And the only single person that, that wanted that match to be over with sooner than it was, even more so than the fans who were gagging on it, was fucking me. I could not wait for that to be over with. It was, I don't know whose idea it was. <laughs> doesn't fucking matter at this point, but holy shit. Was that horrible? <laughs> it was so horrible. <laughs> well, later that night, raw would lose to SmackDown when Randy Orton got the pinfall to win the survivor series match. And it leads to raw the next night. The show opens with you calling all the raw wrestlers to the ring and nobody comes out. So you throw a, a, a tantrum. And said the next person that comes out would be fired. So of course, Vince comes out and he says, are you going to fire me? And he says, none of the wrestlers came out because he told him to not come out. He then for the 460th time, humiliated Bischoff about WCW dying. He noted Bischoff had three goals at survivor series to beat Teddy long to have raw win the main event and to get the title from Cena. He says Bischoff was a total failure. Talked about perception being reality. And by the way, that was an inside dig because Bischoff in the late nineties used to note Vince's doctrine of perception as reality was a joke and say that reality is reality. Anyway, he said, if people perceived that a failure was running raw, then they'd perceive raw was a failure. And if they perceived raw as a failure, they'd perceive Vince as a failure. And he noted he may be a lot of things, but failure isn't one of them. So he threatened to fire Bischoff and Bischoff said, well, there's nobody who could do the job I did. And you can't find a replacement. Shane McMahon's music came out. He came out and danced like it was 1998. And eventually Vince and Shane were both in the ring dancing. Anyway, the story of the show is Bischoff had to set a goal, which was to get the title off of Cena. And if he failed, he's getting fired and Shane's taking over. So the following week in North Charleston, you get dumped into the trash can. Vince is told to uh, take out the trash. We covered that in the archives. You're fired. You're out of here. And I think you've told us in the past that Stephanie called and said, Hey, we're going a different direction, but we're going to pay you for the remainder of the contract. But Oh five, man, what a calendar year for you. You accomplished a lot, had a lot of fun involved in a lot of stories. Was it as fun as you remember thinking back through it all these years later? I mean, 2005 was, was fun, but it was getting to the point, And I've said this before. I, I kind of, 
the character, we'd run its course. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we ended up doing the deal that we did with Teddy Long and I pretty much says it all. If, if that's, if that's what you're coming up with creatively, it's usually because you've run out of ideas Yeah, and it made sense. You know, my character is the evil Eric and manipulative general manager and power hungry and all of those dastardly traits that my character had. There's only so much you can do with them, especially when you're not a wrestler. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I never was, I couldn't have a decent match. I, except for with Rick, it was, that was easy. And, and Terry Funk, that was, you know, it was very natural for me to beat both of those guys, but yeah, of course. <laughs> to go out and perform, I'm just kidding, of course, but yeah. just to, to go out and perform with somebody else that doesn't have any wrestling skills. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to go out and just be a punching bag. And, and, and I was a good punching bag. I was durable. Um, I didn't have a lot of talent when it came to entering physicality, but I was durable. So taking bumps and, all that kind of stuff was easy. But when it came to trying to do something physical, that was part of a storyline or a match, it was like, Ugh. so I was relieved when, when Stephanie called me, because as a performer, you don't want to go out when you know your shit's getting cold. Yeah. It's just, you, you, and you feel it, you, you sense it. And I had been sensing it for months, probably six or seven months leading up to that point where, man, we're digging. And the reaction I was getting was like a Pavlov's dog reaction. So you were still getting booze and people would react accordingly because they knew that's what they were supposed to do as being part of the show. But there's a different difference to me, at least between that Pavlovian heel heat. We really hate re- you or we're going through the motions. We're- and real heel heat. Yeah. You can feel real heel heat. Yeah. The other is just sounds good on TV. There's a big difference. Well, we got lots of questions about Oh five. Um, let's, let's bounce around a little bit here. Adam Leeson wants to know, did Eric understand how important the moment he, Paul and Vince were in the ring together was for millions of fans? No, as I said, I think when we first touched on it in this episode, I didn't appreciate it as much then as I do now. Certainly I do now. It was kind of an iconic moment, right? Um, because of history, three of the, biggest names outside of the ring in the industry at that time, all in one shot in a storyline was pretty fucking awesome, but I didn't, I didn't appreciate it as much then as I do now. Bobby wants to know, Eric, were you traveling in the corporate jet during this time? If not, when was your first time to ride on Vince's plane? No, I had never been on the corporate jet until I went to work there a couple of years ago. And, uh, yeah, 2019, my first, First weekend on the job. How was it? How's the jet? I'd have preferred coach. Really? No, not coach, not coach. I would have preferred commercial. Okay. Why is that? Um, it's hard to describe, but please, I hope people don't take this as me being critical because I'm not, but the level of tension. Oh, that you could feel when you stepped on that jet first thing in the morning on your way to television, the level of tension was so thick and heavy that it made it really uncomfortable. Now, physically it was great because you get on the jet and it's a nice big jet and they have flight attendants. You could have sushi for breakfast if you wanted. You know, it was 
very well stocked when it came to the food on the plane. But man, the level of tension was unbelievable. I mean, it, it got so bad. Like the, the car, usually there would be a van suburban that would pick me up uh, at the apartment that I was living in at the time. And then we'd pick up two or three people on the way to go to the airport, the private airport where, where Vince's jet was. And everybody get in that suburban and just they put their headphones on so they didn't have to talk to each other and their heads oh. were down. It was just brutal. And that was before you even got to the plane. And then when you got on the plane, it was very much the same thing. And, you know, the rides home, different. You know, sometimes there was, depending on how things went, it was quiet. It was a lot of, sometimes it was like a party. Music was cranked up, Kid Rock's blaring, everybody's having a cocktail or five, laughing and joking in the back of the plane, having a party. You know, I used to fly, you know, <laughs> like Mike Mansuri, myself, Bruce, um, we'd all go as far back to the back of the plane as we could, right? Because it was quiet back there, and we'd ha- we'd have a great time. And, other, and there were times when it was a lot of fun, but for the most part, in the mornings going to TV, it was like Ugh. it's like you're going to court to to hear your sentence. It was horrible. It was like PTSD. That's what it reminded me of, man. It's like everybody on that side, on the creative side, it's like we're walking around with a really bad case of PTSD. It was weird. Here's one from Francis. He wants to know, Eric, what was your go-to catering choice during 2005 in WWE? I'd always go right to fish. Um, If there was a decent seafood there, I'd, I'd go right to seafood. Uh, I salad, you know, I like really, really big, healthy salads. I'd stay away from anything. I stay away from the meat simply because I knew if I ate any kind of a meat, it would take a while to digest and it would just make me tired. I'd get sleepy and I was like a dog, you eat a big steak, go take a nap, you know? So I tended to eat small portions throughout the day, but tried to eat things that were relatively healthy until Towards the end of the day, maybe mid-evening when catering was closing down, every once in a while I'd sneak back and grab a chocolate chip cookie just because. But for the most part, I just I I was a fish and salad kind of a guy. Bryant wants chicken occasionally. Chicken occasionally. Bryant wants to know what was the moment in 2005 where you knew you'd been burned out as being GM. Was there a moment where like Mick Foley tells us on his podcast, Foley's pod that he knew when he was doing an overseas tour and he went and did the dude love dance for the third time in the corner in the same match. He knew, okay, this is as far as I can't do this anymore. This is dead. Yeah. I don't think there was a light bulb moment. Again, it was kind of a progressive each week. I'd go out there and it's a little harder had to dig a little deeper to get the reaction uh, that we were going for. And I just saw it coming. You know, I didn't want it to end. I don't want to suggest that because it was a good gig for me, you know. Um, and it was fun and I enjoyed it. But I could also feel that I was losing 
I was losing the audience. They just didn't care about the character anymore. And I knew from a creative point of view, there was only so much they could do to change that. So it was like this inevitability, you know, this thing's coming to an end. You don't know when it's coming to an end, but you know, it's coming to an end. And because of that, when Stephanie called me to let me know, I was like, oh, okay. All right. Now I was right. It's coming to an end. Now I know when the end is and it's all good. And I've, I, cause you gotta remember when I went to W when Vince McMahon called me in our very, very short phone call, I don't think it lasted more than five minutes. I knew as soon as I hung off the phone that I'd made the right decision because I knew at that point I would have the ability to, to put the period at the end of the sentence that I wanted in the last chapter of my wrestling book, not the legit, not the real wrestling book, but you know what I mean? My career. Because I knew I'd be able to work with some amazing talent. I'd be working on the greatest, the biggest, the most important platform stage in the world. Um, and I could do it in a way that was, that was positive for me. And I'd achieved that. So when Stephanie called me, it's like, yeah, but, but I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve yet. I'd already achieved it. I, I, at, at that point in time, when I hung up the phone, I was, I guess, smiling, maybe. Um, I felt like I should have been smiling. I feel like I should have been smiling at least because I, at that point I accomplished exactly what I set out to accomplish just a couple of years earlier. And, and in 2002 and whatever it was, when I went to work for WWE, I thought it would maybe last six months, maybe a year. I, I had no idea I'd be there for three or four years or whatever it was. So it was all good. It was all good. Uh, one last question here. Brad wants to know, Eric, what was a harder move to take? The stunner or the RKO? Uh, neither one of them were hard, honestly. If I told you you got to take one tomorrow, tonight, after the Alabama game, several beers in, you're going to be in a bar where you might win a gun raffle. It's that type. Ooh. Of- Ooh. You're, you're going to take a stunner. You're going to take an RKO. I'm going to take a stunner because I've taken enough of them. I, there might be a little muscle memory left. There you go. So I'd, I'd go for that one for sure. Well, next week we're going to be talking about something that I really enjoy. Scott Hall. We've mm. talked about Scott in the past. We're going to pick up where we left off and we're going to celebrate Scott on his birthday. <clears throat> we're going to talk about Scott towards the end of 97. We're going to talk about losing the Jericho in a couple of minutes, winning world war three, everything that happened with the hall and Nash contract extensions, dusty turning heel, Louis Spicoli, the whole six release, uh, lots of stuff about Scott hall. I'll never get tired of talking about Scott hall. I'll never get tired of talking to bill after either. We just had him recently on the insiders, which is exclusively for adfreeshows.com. Uh, he told stories on there. He's never told before about the McMahons, about Hulk Hogan, about Howard Finkel, lots of fantastic stuff on there. And we just dropped the WCW world title chase, uh, where we talked about the famous 1992 design with one of the guys who helped make so many iconic belts, Mr. Dave Milliken. We posted that on the one year anniversary of Reggie parks passing. And this Wednesday, Eric Bischoff is going heads up with Raven over at adfreeshows.com. We've also got Tony Schiavone doing a live Q and a. We've got Jake Roberts watching Halloween Havoc 1992. That's all happening this week, y'all, at adfreeshows.com. And, of course, we finished the week off 
with a big Saturday. Eric's going to bring in the catering. I'm actually getting on a plane. I'm going to Mexico City. Triple Mania is here. If you're new to Lucha, if you're thinking about giving it a shot, I encourage you spend the 22 bucks right now over at watchtriplemania.com. Go in with an open mind. Don't think you're going to be watching Raw or SmackDown or AEW. You're going to be watching something totally different, but boy, is it going to be exciting, Eric. I can't wait. I'm looking for Mrs. B will be back by then. She, uh, she'll be so excited to hear that we're going to be watching triple mania and eating tamales. She she'll be thrilled. Come on, let's do it. Uh, tweet us boys and girls. He's Eddie Bischoff. I'm at Hey, it's Conrad. We are at 83 weeks and we'll see you next week right here. Talking about our old, great, close, personal friend, the late, great Scott hall. And along the way, Eric's going to get his ass beat by Raven and Jake Roberts is watching Halloween havoc and bill afters there. And we got belt stuff. You get all these shows early and ad free at adfreeshows.com. And we'll see you guys next week, right here on 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.